Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory. If you haven't already subscribed, please catch us wherever you love to listen to your podcast, from the Relevant Radio app to Apple, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go and give us a five-star review to help other people discover the podcast. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Welcome to Trending. It's so good to be with you. We are diving deep into the pro-life issue today. Why is this important? You might hear it in the news, the media, debates and conversations with people you know. But stay with me because we need to continue this conversation. Strengthening ourselves in the pro-life debate. Understanding what's happening in this current fight over abortion. As we're getting ready in a couple weeks for this historic moment where we are voting as the people on abortion. And whether or not to expand it or not in some of our states and vote and also voting for politicians and what they believe with regard to expanding abortion. So please stay with me. It's an important, important topic. I'm going to be joined in just a moment by Dr. John Buchalski. He is an OBGYN. He did perform abortions at one time and now fights to save the lives of women, working in crisis situations with high-risk pregnancies to working, doing incredible pro-life work today, hearing his conversion. It's so profound. We're going to talk about that question. Do you save the mom or do you save the baby? We'll discuss his story and transformation into the pro-life community and what an OBGYN says with regard to whether or not there need to be restrictions on abortion. We're taking your tough abortion questions, so give me a call. The number is 1-888-914-9149. You can also ask your question now on social media. Just follow me at Timmery, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. Those tough questions those tough arguments or ones that you maybe even yourself are grappling with. I'd love to hear from you and help you to respond to those questions. Joining me now is Dr. John Buchowski. Again, he's the author of the new book, Two Patients, My Conversion from Abortion to Life-Affirming Medicine, published by Ignatius Press. I'll post a link on my social media at Timmery, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E, in order to pick that up. He is, again, I mentioned OBGYN, the founder of Tepeyac OBGYN, Divine Mercy Care. Again, he was a former abortionist. He's doing incredible work to fight to save moms and babies, giving incredible gynecological health and work to women today. You're listening to Trending with Timurai here on Relevant Radio. Dr. Buchalski, welcome back to Trending. Oh, Timurai, it's great to be with you tonight. I have been lapping up your recent book, Two Patients. I know just a month or so ago, you joined me talking about your conversion from performing abortions to life-affirming medicine. And there were so many things we discussed. You'll have, we'll post a link in the podcast episode notes to that conversation. But I want to continue a little bit of your story, tying it into this crisis that we're seeing of saving mom or saving baby. And when I was reading some of the first pages of your book, uh, it 
it spoke so poignantly to one night you found yourself working in labor and delivery and these two patients you had next door to each other uh, who were both in preterm labor. Can you tell us a little bit about this experience, uh, how this impacted the women and how this impacted yourself as well? Oh, sure, Timory. Um, if you can imagine, I was already beginning to go uh, back to the faith. I was at an evangelical church down in Virginia Beach, First Assembly, and they ran a pregnancy center at night. So believe it or not, at night, I was uh, in a pregnancy resource center. During the daytime, I was a second-year resident doing all the things that an OBGYN would do, including abortion. So this evening, I was uh, in one room saving this 22-week-old baby as much as I could. Medication, gravity, uh, calming her down. The mother wanted the child, so I was doing everything I could to keep the child alive inside her abdomen. In the very next room, separated by a wall, maybe six to seven inches thick, the mother didn't want a baby about the same age. And she was in preterm labor, and since she did not want it, I didn't take a very good history. I ruptured membranes, gave her medicine, and delivered a baby. I thought about suffocating it because it was an abortion, meaning she didn't want it. But it felt a little heavy to me, so I put it on a scale, and it was over 500 grams, which meant I had to call the high-risk neonatal intensivist. If you can imagine, there I was calling a doctor to save the life of this child, and as this wonderful, believing woman uh, walked into... Uh, walked into the room. She took one look at me, understood what was going on, and she said, hey, John, uh, stop treating my patients as tumors. You're better than this. Have, have coffee with me tomorrow. And uh, she began to tell me that uh, I was better than this, my patients deserved better, and that as an OBGYN, we care for two patients, always two patients, never one just because the mother doesn't want to deal with one. And it radically changed my life. And that's when she told me that she had gone to Yugoslavia and uh, went on a pilgrimage uh, to a place where Our Lady was occurring at Medjugorje. And she thought I should go. And then my mother told me and then I went and my life came tumbling down as we talked last time. Wow, Dr. Bruchowski, to see the impact of you know, being an OBGYN, you know, following your story, how, you know, God was preparing you for many years to care for <laughs> women's health care, but that yeah. dichotomy that you experienced, and you talk about it in your book where you said, I trusted women. Uh, you, you make this reference, and can you talk a little bit to that challenge for you where you're reconciling, you know, fighting for babies in one room and because a child was unwanted, allowing that baby to die or participating in an abortion, how, you know, that mindset a lot of people have of, quote, I trust women, what's wrong with that from a medical perspective when it comes down to those decisions that are made just like you made them? Well, we talk about, you know, following science and following data. Well, what I realized was that abortion is a political policy solution. It was never meant to be a part of medicine. It's always been in the shadows of medicine, Timory. It's always been done by 
a minority of doctors. Do you understand that 85% of OBGYNs today do not do abortions? Because of the relativization of truth, uh, they may not be able to do it, but they refer to that small subset. And that number is getting smaller and smaller and smaller because the brutality of what abortion is, especially in the second and third trimesters when you, the, the bones are getting calcified and you have to count body parts. And so what happens is, is that I listened to my patients because they were living textbooks, and they kept telling me, this is good for me, I need this. But over time, Timory, the data was slowly coming in because it takes years, if not decades, to see the results of what we were doing. And lo and behold, abortion and breast cancer, abortion and preterm birth, abortion and mental illness, suicide, substance abuse, depression, anxiety, that all takes time. So it was the facts that were coming over the reporting that we were reading in our journals alongside someone who just stood up and said, John, you're better than this. And this whole idea that you need to end the life of an unborn child to save the mother's life is an absolute fake. It's a paper tiger argument. You never, ever have to pit mother against child, ever. (laughs) You don't ever have to do it. And after almost 30 years of practice now at Tepeyac OBGYN, we have found ways to you know, take care of both patients, both mom and her unborn child, as far along as possible. And uh, the experience and my own, um, my own, you know, work with other doctors and now the Association of Pro-Life OBGYNs, uh, as well as the Christian and Catholic Medical Associations, there's great data out there. Charlotte Lozier is now putting out data that um, there's a lot of good data now on late-term abortions, as well as the brutality of uh, what these abortions really do to doctors who are performing them. Mm. It speaks for family to this statement that I think all of us need to keep in mind as people try to justify abortion, and it's this, abortion is not a medical solution for women period. The fallout after abortion, as you just mentioned, is so significant, even if it takes time to fully see the effect, and it's lifelong, uh, both medically, psychologically, emotionally, interpersonally in those relationships. And again, it's putting one patient above the other, and that challenge you received one day when you had a situation where you had two women in preterm labor, and one, you fought for the life of the baby, the other, because the woman didn't want the baby, the justification of an abortion uh, was allowed. So let's talk a little bit about what you're doing at Tepeyac OBGYN, because this is so important. You deal with women in all circumstances, including high-risk pregnancies. How do you handle a high-risk scenario fighting for the life of a mother and child? Can you give us an example? Well, sure. Um, You know, right now, um, we are a general OBGYN practice, and that practice sees a lot of um, preeclampsia, which is high blood pressure during a pregnancy, as well as severe diabetes. There's also many other cases of uh, connective tissue disease and rheumatoid arthritis and lupus, 
And we uh, partner with high-risk doctors in order to care for these patients. Now, um, there are many times, because of 50 years of Roe, we have lived with abortion on demand for any reason at any time. But at Tepiac, because we value both lives, and we always treat the mother first, always, because the mom and the baby, the unborn child, they're on the same team. No woman, no mother wants to hear, oh, we have to kill your baby in order to save your life. That is not the way we are wired. That's not in our DNA. And we basically care for mom as far as we can, and then we deliver her child. Now, occasionally, because of, say, severe infection or hemorrhage, we have to deliver a baby prematurely, but we always go after the disease. One of the principles at Tepiac is hate the disease, but love the patients. And so whenever we treat mom, we're treating the disease that is causing the problem. Remember, elective abortions, and you know, you have to realize that the, that the data that's out there, Timory, for abortions. Remember, we don't really count data very well because it's being counted by the abortion societies. They don't want to, they don't, they're not interested in giving us accurate data. And so whether it's the CDC or Guttmacher, California and say uh, Maryland, I believe, they don't even count these. And that's where most of these later term abortions are done. Well, Believe it or not, when they've done studies, those late-term abortions, say after 20 weeks, um, are actually done for the same reasons that 98% of all abortions are done. Stress, social issues. Um, mm. it's, there's no, it's not as if whenever they say, oh, it's due to the life of the mother. No. In fact, it's hard to pull out life of the mother from any of the studies regarding late-term abortions. And that's in our medical literature. So what happens is, is that you try to get mom and baby as far far along in both cases, and then you deliver the child when the mother's condition warrants it. And that's the art and science and medicine of collaborating, because we have had 50 years of much better medicine these days. Not, can you imagine, we now have better ultrasounds, 3D, 4D, what have you. Well, we also have great medicine with medications and intensive care units where we can treat both mom and baby. The sad reality is, is that because we're so risk-averse in our lives, as soon as a problem begins to arise, for any reason, all of a sudden, most, many doctors will push forth the abortion decision. And uh, once again, uh, it's really never necessary. That's a Dr. John Buchalski, an OBGYN pro-life. He's author of the recent book, Two Patients, about my conversion from abortion to life-affirming medicine, available now. So please check it out. I post a link on social media as well as in the episode notes for today's show if you need to catch that a little bit later. As I was reading your book, Dr. Buchalski, I, it kind of hit me for the first time uh, that, you know, it, arguably so, you know, I look at this exception for abortion where many states 
uh, have an exception for the life of the mother, you know, for medical uh, fallout, something happening with the mom that justifies why there can be an exception for an abortion and maybe an otherwise pro-life state or to allow for a later term abortion than that particular state has currently sanctioned. And it dawned on me, you know, I'm pregnant, I'm 31 weeks now, and I am sitting here just thinking about it. You know, I have struggled with Hashimoto's disease, polycystic ovarian syndrome, and I run really low on progesterone during my pregnancies. And so here we are in the second one running very, very low on progesterone again, which earlier in the pregnancy can lead to miscarriage, later in the pregnancy can lead to preterm labor. And I do have a lot of contractions. And I was thinking about it as I was reading your book, you know, early labor and contractions can have a very negative impact on the woman. And it's an inconvenience. It's difficult. And in our current society, with all of the endocrine disruptors and the challenges to women's health in both conceiving and carrying a pregnancy to term, what I realized was it's so easy to find ourselves in a situation today where there would be an acceptance of, oh, well, there's something wrong with the mom, or this would negatively impact the mother. And it really puts a challenge before so many of us, even who are pro-life, to truly uphold that pro-life position when things are difficult or inconvenient for us as women in those moments of our pregnancy. I think of Dr. Bruchelski, a wonderful woman, you can please pray for her, her name's Maria, who wrote me a few months ago as she was earlier along in her pregnancy and she has very serious cancer. And she was actually at the time Catholic considering an abortion. And she wrote to me wanting me to say, yes, go through with it. Long story short, praise the Lord, I was able to talk to her and through her strong faith that she was really struggling with. She was able to carry the baby long enough and deliver early. The baby is growing and doing well, but she's struggling. And to be pro-life is to continue to support that mom, right, in those instances before delivery, after delivery, and through all of those challenging moments as there is a high risk to her body and her life. But also, like you said, there are two patients, yet so often we reduce these scenarios to just one patient And we allow inconvenience or difficult situations to justify the ending of a life. Um, You know, Timory, you do have your finger on the pulse of something very real there, both to the doctor as well as the provider, as well as to the patient. Um, We don't want to take risks with anyone's life, but because of illness and disease, we have to navigate and we have to be able to assess Um, how far can we take this mother and child pair? The intimacy of a a, uh, child lined up with the placenta right up against the womb of its mother, the intertwining of um, two lives, so to speak. You know, we've replaced mother with child with woman with a right to abortion, and we're constantly putting a wedge between mother and, and her baby. And what happens is uh, one of my excellent um, peers, Dr. Byron Calhoun, uh, a perinatologist, a high-risk doctor in West Virginia, he talks about that there's never a reason to take the life of an unborn child since there's no maternal condition that requires the death of the fetus to save her life. And that's the amazing challenge here because You know, can you imagine after all these months and years of COVID, we've we've sort of lost 
um, trust in the medical profession. We've absolutely lost trust uh, in OBGYN for many of us because, you know, the big lie for many of us, you know, Christians, the big lie in the beginning of Genesis was that God the Father uh, was a vindictive, angry, bitter, jealous Father, God. He started the creation, but he doesn't really care about us. That was the big lie number one. And then the second lie was that abortion was good health care. And what's happened is abortion is a political solution to poverty, and they're trying to push it as good health care. The challenge today is that we've had 50, you know, 50 years of living under that rubric, under that law, under that mandate, under that approach. And there are so many women today who want their doctors to go the extra mile, to look at them holistically, body, soul, and spirit. But whenever there is only a one-answer solution that is based on politics and fear, people begin to lose trust in the profession. And uh, I know, you know, for many of us, it's a real issue. And so uh, you're on to something there, and uh, you use the word inconvenience, Timory. And uh, we don't have a sense of illness and suffering. It, it's almost as if our life has to be zero suffering, zero illness, and any any stretch of the imagination entering into that world is ridiculous and should be done away with. In fact, I would say that the common denominator in the human condition is actually illness and suffering. And by trying to eliminate it, that is the kind of the, the nonsensical approach to health care or to life or to family. As you were speaking, Dr. Buchowski, it made me think as well about this whole uh, push to define uh, women who are pregnant as pregnant people today. You see this a lot in uh, media, and it's laughable because they're pregnant women, and in particular, pregnant mothers, right? And it's what we used to say. And it's you know, on one end pushing this pro-transgender debate, trying to make the claim, which is totally false, that men can get pregnant too if they identify as transgender, or that if a biological woman who identifies as a man gets pregnant, that suddenly somehow a man has miraculously conceived. That's one side of it, but I think another part of it is this ongoing attempt to divorce that relationship between mother and child. And if we say pregnant people instead of pregnant women or pregnant mothers, we further sever that bond that connection that a woman has with her child. So I want to come back talking to you about uh, why you as an OBGYN says, say that there must be restrictions on abortion. This is the major debate. Many states, five states, in fact, are getting ready to vote on whether or not they will allow their state to be more pro-abortion and more permissive on the abortion front, or perhaps to pass to their state constitution 
restrictions on abortion access. So we'll talk about how to have those conversations and understand from a medical perspective and from Dr. John Bruchalski, an OBGYN who once performed abortions but is pro-life and provides life-affirming care, why we don't need access to abortion for women, not even for the health of the mother. Please check out Dr. John Bruchalski's work at tepeakobgyn.com. That's T-E-P-E-Y-A- cobgyn.com. We'll post a link on social media as well to his other incredible pro-life ministries that he's working with. I'll be right back here on Trending. If you have a pro-life question, a difficult pro-life argument you've heard from a friend, a family member, or maybe even one you just thought of yourself, we'll take it. Giving you pro-life apologetics to have a strong answer and confidence in your pro-life position. Numbers 1-888-914- 9149, or you can ask your question now on social media at Timmery, that's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. You're listening to Trending with Timmery, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. It's Pro-Life Hour here on Trending. I'm joined by a pro-life OBGYN who has shared his story with us here on Trending about having performed abortions and his incredible conversion to the pro-life position, uh, living kind of a lifestyle that many people have struggled with, you know, being uh, in a Catholic pro-life home and upbringing, having strong Catholic pro-life parents, and then finding yourself one day, you know, taking uh, the Kool-Aid of the culture and justifying what you believe might be the most merciful option. And so we've been talking about his story. If you've not been with us, please listen to this episode and the other that we did with Dr. Brujalski on his incredible pro-life work today and sharing his testimony. It would be a powerful story to share, and especially from a incredibly talented medical perspective on abortion with someone you know to help convince them. So share this episode on social media, relevantradio.com forward slash trending to catch all episodes or wherever you listen. We're there, YouTube, Instagram, Spotify, wherever you like to listen, we're there. So please share this episode and catch the rest if you haven't. Dr. John Bruchowski is the author of the recent book, Two Patients, My Conversion from Abortion to Life-Affirming Medicine. I post a link on social media and he currently runs Tepeyak OBG helping women, especially uh, in impoverished communities with their health care and choosing life. I want to dive into this important topic of what he as an OBGYN says with regard to whether or not there should be restrictions on abortion. Currently, we are facing state to state this battle over whether or not we will be more pro-life and protect children, or more permissively pro-abortion. We often see exceptions for the so-called the life of the mother, which we were talking about before, uh, and other exceptions that come in. In California, heads up, voters, Proposition 1, if passed, will increase access to abortion funding and give unfettered access to abortion. Same with Proposition 3, Proposal 3, in the state of Michigan, unfettered access to abortion, as well as in Vermont, Proposition 5. These three states in particular, if we do not say no and we don't receive enough no votes, in other words, we need no votes for life to protect life from these 
permissive laws. What will happen is not only will we see increased access to abortion, free abortions, but also, especially in Michigan and in Vermont, these laws are written because the pro-abortion culture is so upset that they're losing control over women's bodies that now they're writing into these into these propositions to make it so that children, toddlers, 15-year-olds, 17-year-olds can also move forward sit with a quote-unquote sex change, bodily mutilation if they identify as transgender and or with cross-sex hormones that are puberty blockers and have permanent damage. And so you need to vote in those three states in particular. Dr. Bruchowski, let's talk a little bit about restrictions on abortion. Can you speak, especially from a medical perspective, in in those challenging circumstances that medical professionals find themselves in, why there need to be restrictions on abortion? So um, I'll do my utmost to do that, Timory. Uh, being an OBGYN um, at Divine Mercy Care, and uh, our tagline has been transforming hearts through health care. And so I really believe that as physicians become comfortable with life-affirming medicine, they will um, continue to really meet their patients one-on-one, heart-to-heart. And so we know that 85% of doctors uh, do not want or do not perform abortions. That's, that's number one. Number two is we also know that probably 85% of women and men don't believe abortion on demand, okay? And so we also have to realize that close to 98% of all abortions are done for convenience reasons, and we have already moved to medical chemical abortions in many states and in probably across the country now, over 50% of all abortions are done uh, in the first early weeks with, um, with medication, with chemicals. Now, once again, abortion has always been pushed by our profession, the American College of OBGYN. In 1970s, they did a top-down approach where the political reality changed, they never took our vote. They literally just forced abortion on demand, abortion as good medicine, upon our specialty. Despite the fact that the vast majority of OBGYNs did not do abortions. So, with the populace and the providers and the physicians against abortion on demand, They see this leaving. And so uh, across the country and in federal, um, you know, Supreme Court cases, the American College of OBGYN has never come on the side of any common sense um, restrictions on abortion. Now, whether it's parental acknowledgement, whether it's a waiting Mm -hmm. period, They've never, ever supported any of that. In fact, even third trimester partial birth abortion back in the day, they erred on the side of that brutal procedure because the status quo from the powers that be 
is that abortion should be available on demand for any reason at any cost. And uh, once the science becomes polluted with that politics, the science of two patients goes away, the fact that we have to end the life of a child in order to save the mother's life, I, I, once again, uh, there are good perinatologists now that are saying that's, you know, we, we don't, the, re, the death of the child is never required to save the life of the mother. And so we now are pushing chemical and medical abortions. And so now we're going to be having those toilet bowl abortions and those mm-hmm. bed abortions where the woman is going to mm-hmm. see not, not only the products of conception, but what in reality has happened? So she's going to suffer all the pain herself mm-hmm. and the cramping and the incredible bleeding and all that goes into that, maybe with or without her significant other. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine what post-traumatic stress is going to be like right. years from now? That's the number one thing. We also know mm-hmm. because of good science that we can get mom and baby uh, far along where viability gets made and they, the child can be put in the nursery where we have the, medic, the medical ability, a human, to do so. When the child is so sick, we now have the ability to use perinatal hospice to help allow the maximum time of love and care with that sick child and her mom and the brothers and sisters and the family that's still, you know, it, the, the, the disability does not define that child. And, you know, and lastly, we now know that the fetus can feel pain through the afferent and efferent spinal cord with the thalamus and the midbrain and the neocortex. My God, every bar to science, and this is beyond the ultrasound, this is beyond the genetics This is beyond um, the feelings. This is what science is Mm -hmm. providing us. And so when I talk about restrictions, it's mostly on the medical side. And so many of these restrictions um, are there to uh, reflect the current scientific debate that we now have to use anesthesia when we're undergoing fetal surgery, and that the patient is there now in many centers across the country. And there's always that uh, conundrum or that, that dissonance now on the pro-abort side, where on one side they say that they are, you know, privacy and it's not needed to collect data But in the same token, in order to understand abortion, more data should be collected. They can't have it both ways. And I'm beginning to see, finally now with Dobbs, we get a chance to use the word abortion. We get a chance to look at the science critically. But we also get a chance to listen to moms. Moms want to spend time with their sick children, period. They don't want to shorten the time. And because we can now speak honestly with our patients, I believe that we have a real opportunity here to provide excellent health care, body, soul, and spirit to the vast majority of women who are coming through our doors.
That's Dr. John Buchalski, pro-life OBGYN, author of the new book, Two Patients, My Conversion from Abortion to Life-Affirming Medicine. Catch the book now. It's a new book, incredible. I'm still reading through it, and wow, I, it's hard to put down because you speak so poignantly into the challenges of the culture and the battle that many can face, even, you know, kind of coming from a pro-life position and maybe being tempted by the culture to support abortion. You mentioned something very important having to do with the mental health crisis of both the impact of late-term abortion as well as chemical abortion today. We know that Planned Parenthood and the greater abortion movement is pushing for greater access to chemical abortion, which, as you stated, makes up over 50% of all abortions today. Uh, The mental health crisis is real. We're seeing that um, Planned Parenthood is actually advising women to take the chemical abortion far later than is safe or approved and is recommended for the RU486 Mifepristone um, abortion. And what I'm hearing from crisis pregnancy counselors, Dr. Bruchowski, is that women are coming to the crisis pregnancy centers after the death of their child via chemical abortion, absolutely traumatized because they were advised to do a chemical abortion and they did it later than is normally advised. And they are literally giving birth. We're hearing from these women who are giving birth to babies, you know, early birth through chemical abortion because you always pass the baby and these some of these babies are moving Uh, one story recently i heard talking to a counselor where a college student called her sharing that she uh, passed the baby delivered the baby in her college dorm room alone uh, in her bed and there she had a moving baby that she then took uh, to i believe it was to the um, to the ER after and the baby at that point was dead but how traumatizing for yeah. that woman and in the name of so-called healthcare and women's rights and keeping up with the culture and a career and an education we are damaging women and increasing this mental health crisis so um you know I'm 62 years of age Timory and I'm learning about gaslighting um mm. because of because of covid we have pushed telehealth, telemedicine, and we really did it with the reproductive health clinics, that euphemism we use for Planned Parenthood and other abortion centers. You know, there's no in-person exam. RH negative is not being checked. That's the ability for the mother's blood, the RH negative factor, to then interact with future child's blood, you know, unborn children's blood that are positive and create antibodies so that something that we took care of through Rogam over the last 50, 60 years may now come back. We don't check for previa. We don't check for ectopics. We are literally over the, over the telehealth, over the virtual reality. Uh, Yes, yes, yes. Okay. And now it's even being done by non-doctor providers. And all of a sudden, we now talk about the mental health issues of the actual delivery. But we've realized that on many international studies, there's an 81% increase in mental health issues. There's 150% substance abuse increase over baseline. There's 100% increase in suicidal ideation. And on one hand... We're being told by my friends on the other side, because once again, they're for the grace of God, go I, Timory. I have a very hard time, you know, demonizing anybody in this. 
They're saying you need to shout your abortion. Be proud of this. Are you kidding me? Because if you are suffering from your abortion, it's on you, they tell you. They're actually pushing that onus on the woman because she was probably too religious to begin with already. So now, on top of a visceral, brutal, bloody, painful abortion in her bed or toilet or bathroom or apartment or home, with or without other children available, with or without her partner, Mm -hmm. we now have all of this data that we've collected. I know in the UK that they actually have to tell the woman as informed consent about the mental health issue, the depression, the anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I, I agree with you. And so here we are at a point in time where science is improving our care of one another. And here we are still saying it should be available on demand for any reason at any time, barbarically. Mm-hmm. And uh, It's not I just, safe for women. Yeah, it's not the it's best medical not, option, no. the mental po- yeah. option. You've seen this firsthand, Dr. John Bruchowski, and it's so... It's so important that we have the voices such as yours fighting for life, giving that candid pro-medical, pro-science perspective that tells the truth about life. Dr. Bruchowski, thank you so much for joining us. Please read his book. Read it and use it as a tool to talk to people who are on the fence over the abortion issue. The book's Two Patients, My Conversion from Abortion to Life-Affirming Medicine. It's published by Ignatius Press. Our good friends over there will post a link on social media that's there. Just follow me at Timmery, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. I've also do- tagged Dr. Bruchowski on social media as well, especially Instagram. If you have a question, the number's 1-888-914-9149. Taking your questions on abortion, some really great ones are coming in. Happy to answer them again, 1-888-914-9149. Listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888 914 9149. Hey, welcome back to Trendly. It's so good to be with you. Thanks for joining me. It's been Pro-Life Hour. And oh my goodness, if you were not with us before on the show, Dr. John Prujalski, the pro-life OBGYN who performed abortions many years ago and does incredible life-affirming care, was here to talk about the importance of understanding why we never have to vet to mom against child, child against mom, picking one life over the other, why there should never be a medical exception for abortion to save the life of the mother. There's no such thing. Uh, And really weighing in on the opportunity for you to vote in California, Michigan, Vermont, and other states uh, having to do with adding access to abortion or limiting access. And so please be informed on that. We'll post a link on social media as well as in the episode notes for today's show where I break down five states that will be voting on abortion, especially paying attention to Vermont, California, and Michigan. If you know someone, if you live there, it's time to get vocal and it's really time to pray and fast against these horrific pro-abortion uh, bill, or sorry, pro-abortion 
propositions that would literally amend the state constitution, not just giving unfettered access to abortion on demand, but also tremendous funding, basically a free check for all abortions. And especially, and get this, in Michigan and Vermont, this so-called Reproductive Health Care Act, or whatever they're calling it in the given state, they're actually working so that this would give access for minors, for toddlers, for 15-year-olds to actually take cross-sex hormones, puberty-blocking drugs that render children, minors, permanently infertile, and even to go through with a so-called gender-affirming surgery. These are absolutely outrageous, and we need to fight this prayer, fasting, and vocal action spreading the words. We need to do our part, whether you live in the state or not. We need to spread the information and have those important and difficult conversations. And Dr. Bruchowski's candid conversation here is a very helpful on that note. Okay, questions are coming in. I want to take some of them. We have Dr. Fritz from Los Angeles on the line. Dr. Fritz, welcome to Trending. What's your question or comment having to do with abortion today? Hi, Timory. I love your show, but I wanted to make a comment about the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology. Um, They changed the definition of conception in 1965. All embryology textbooks say that conception, as any common sense person would acknowledge, that conception begins at fertilization. In 1965, the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology changed the definition of conception from fertilization to implantation. And they did it with a very clear agenda. And that was to obviate the moral dilemma that people might have if they said, well, during the 10 days between fertilization and implantation, if that embryo dies, well, that by definition would be an abortion and an ending of a pregnancy. So what they did was to change the definition and say, well, uh, pregnancy doesn't start until implantation. And I literally am holding a ad for a plan B advertising where it says mm-hmm. it's emergency contraception that prevents pregnancy before it starts. That is Mm. absolutely embryologically incorrect. And by changing that definition in 1965, here today, we're still discussing this nonsense that all embryologists Mm -hmm. reject. Dr. Fritz, you are so correct. The American College of OBGYNs, when they changed back in the 60s, the definition of conception, which as we know, medical textbooks, universally, it's clear conception starts at the moment of fertilization where sperm and egg meet a new distinct human life has been created. But when the American College of OBGYNs that are radically pro-abortion changed the verbiage, which matches no legal document, which matches no medical document or scientific documentation or research, they changed it for conception according to them, to mean fertilization, they've used this to justify abortions within the medical community and to convince women that a early abortion is not an abortion, that it's functioning as contraception, preventing new life from creating, being created. This has been a huge and sweeping negative impact in the medical community and in the conversations between physicians and patients that are telling lies. And It astounds me that anyone would still belong to the American College of OBGYNs. And it's, as you said, has been used to justify and push forward chemical RU46 abortions, which are the most common abortions being performed today, as well as, and we've talked about this here on Trending, it's also being used to push what's being referred to as the late period pill, which is just another form of RU486, essentially. But the idea is, is that you don't tell anyone you're 
you're pregnant, you say, you know, you say you don't know, you don't document it. If you think you're pregnant, we just give you the late period pill and UCSF, um, University of California, San Francisco, and others are involved in studies on this, pushing this as new access Colorado and other states where they're giving this for free or doing research right now on women, young vulnerable women, paying for them to come in and have the late period pill where, oops, my period's late, so you know what, I'm just gonna take this abortion, but it's not really an abortion because they're trying to argue that it's just contraception, but that's not true. And the American College of OBGYNs is part of why that push is occurring. And we're really going to see the future of abortion in most states, as you're saying, will be chemical abortions because they, being the American College of OBGYNs, has you have used this and redefined conception on their own, not legally, scientifically, or medically accurate. So thank you, Dr. Fritz, for talking about that. We actually did an episode talking and explaining this because a lot of people will try to argue with me today that uh, conception doesn't begin until implantation. That's a lie. It's it's not medically sound, and this is a lie spread by the American College of OBGYNs. So I have an episode, we'll post a link on social media, as well as in the episode notes for today, debunking that argument that conception doesn't occur until implantation. Okay, more questions coming in. If you have a question, number is 1-888-914-9149. This came in on Instagram. My sister always says people have different situations and can't take care of a baby. How do you respond? Okay, this is a great argument, and I think that this is an argument of circumstance. So argument of circumstance means that I will justify an abortion given the circumstance of the woman and or the child. So here's really point number one. That claim that people have different situations and can't take care of a baby, that should never be an argument to justify abortion. Number one, circumstances do not justify the taking of an innocent life period. But for some reason, because the baby's inside the womb and dependent on the mother and we don't have the baby keep kicking and screaming outside of the womb, we justify what is the equivalent of holding a gun to that baby's head and saying, it's okay to kill. Again, circumstances don't justify taking an innocent human life. Number two, we don't place one life above another. In this argument where people claim that, well, some women can't take care of a baby, that's saying, Mom's life is more important than baby's life. And because she can't take care of that baby, either mentally can't cope, or by claiming that the baby wouldn't receive the care that is necessary, necessary that we are justifying abortion. Here's the truth of the matter, especially in a first world nation, especially in the United States and the Western world, we have so many resources at our fingertips to help support moms and babies. Our crisis pregnancy centers, not even counting government programs, but our crisis pregnancy centers alone tremendously support and it nearly at the snap of a finger will literally help with paying for housing, medical care, whatever might be needed to save, protect, and foster a baby and a mother in the care and resources they need. So crisis pregnancy center support is always available along with many governmental pro programs. Number four, adoption is always an option. People don't always have the perfect situation to take care of a baby, but other people do have a situation and there are tons of couples waiting years to adopt a child today. Thank you for joining me. If you have more pro-life questions, send them in relevantradio.com forward slash trending or on social media. Up next is the family rosary across America.